welcome to the Domestic Fuel Cast, a podcast devoted to news and information about alternative fuels and energy. Produced and hosted by Zimcom New Media. Overcoming the credit crunch to move the country to the future of renewable energy production. I'm your host, John Davis. While the will of producing clean, renewable biofuels certainly seems to be strong in the U.S. as people look for a way to shed the country of its dependence on foreign petroleum, the body remains weak with the current credit crunch standing in the way of much of the expansion of the highly sought-after production of the green fuel. To get those credit markets going again, the Biotechnology Industry Organization, or BIO, a group that represents more than 1,200 biotechnology companies, academic institutions, state biotechnology centers, and related organizations across the U.S. and more than 30 other countries, has some ideas. And during a recent press conference, BIO's vice president of its industrial and environmental section, Brent Erickson, said that will come through the federal government's leadership to coordinate and fund biofuel-friendly programs and help the development of the new feedstocks, transportation, and delivery of products, alternative fuel distribution networks, and vehicles. Some of the goals that we have uh, and the policies that we'll be uh, transmitting to uh, policymakers include implementing a comprehensive systems approach to advanced biofuels and bio-based product development. We need a new systems approach to uh, advanced biofuels throughout the whole value chain because uh, Congress and the administration and past administrations have done a good job in doing research and trying to help with commercialization, but we don't have full integration throughout the value chain uh, that will allow the really large-scale biofuels commercialization uh, that we need. We're actually talking about creating a new energy infrastructure that this country hasn't done for over 100 years. Second would be to inject immediate capital for biorefinery construction, feedstock development, and fuel delivery infrastructure into the economy and to the companies uh, engaging in this activity. Uh, That includes boosting funding and quickly issuing loan guarantees, expediting biomass crop assistance, and funding rail and regular road construction. Third, we are for ensuring strong markets for biofuels, including maintenance of the renewable fuel standard, addressing the blend wall issue, and uh, a little-known issue is funding the DOE reverse auction for the first billion gallons of cellulosic biofuel. Fourth is incentivize the full range of bio-based products produced by biorefineries, including all biopolymers and renewable chemicals. Five is aggressively fund ongoing R&D to maximize economic competitiveness, sustainability, and greenhouse benefits of advanced biofuels and bio-based products. And six is to explicitly incentivize greenhouse gas reducing biotechnologies and climate change legislation, including granting of allocations, offsets, and credits to biofuels and bio-based products, and to look at land use issues as well. To that end, some of BIO's members outlined what their own companies were doing to make sure the industry stays viable to make all this worthwhile for the government to incentivize alternative energy production. From making their operations more efficient to producing more products with a wider appeal to commercial applications to finding cheaper feedstocks to improve their bottom lines. But the question still remains whether all the recent shutterings of biofuels plants are hurting the overall climate for the industry, especially for the innovators who might need some time and monetary investment to one day become profitable. Bob Walsh, the CEO of Aurora Biofuels, a California-based algae biodiesel developer and maker, says new business models are needed, no matter if you are working on the new generation of biofuels 
or tried and trusted practices over the past couple of decades. The other thing you're seeing in this room is everyone's moving away from a different business model on the feedstock side in particular. Yep. And a lot of the, you know, the first generation is, has had issues due to the feedstock losing control of the supply chain. Mm-hmm. So whether it's algae using CO2 or other forms of biomass, people here are moving away from that, and that's a big difference in this next generation. And Pat Gruber, CEO of Givo Incorporated, a company using a fermentation process to make isobutanol, an alcohol with properties much like those in gasoline, says his company is actually gaining ground. Our technology actually retrofits into existing ethanol facilities and moves them into the realm of hydrocarbons. Mm-hmm. So, interestingly enough, uh, market downturn is creating opportunities for companies like ourselves and we're attracting investment. Overall, though, the group agrees that the government's goal of 100 million gallons of cellulosic ethanol by next year is probably not going to happen, although many of the companies in bio expect it won't be too many years before that goal is met and surpassed. Domestic fuel Cindy Zimmerman asks if the downturn on Wall Street and in company stocks such as Aventine and Verenium will weigh down cellulosic ethanol's future. Would you say that you're all, you're all still optimistic about about the future and about uh, getting into the getting making cellulosic ethanol commercially viable? Brent Erickson with Bio. I, I think uh, we're very much uh, in general optimistic about the future. Uh, the Obama administration has made it clear that they're going to be very supportive of. Uh, green technologies and uh, green biofuels and green jobs, and our industry fits right into that format. So I think we are expecting continued government support, not only from Congress but from the Obama administration. Uh, I think our company's technology has advanced tremendously. It's, it's ready for commercialization, and so we're still very bullish on the future. And John Howe with Verenium says you have to look at the long-term fundamentals of liquid fuels. Uh, petroleum discoveries have been trending downward. Uh, we're going to need uh, replacement liquid fuels to meet uh, an, an undeniable need. There has been a lot of focus on electricity in the last uh, several months or year or so. Electricity is very important, represents 40% of our primary energy use, but 100% of the feedstocks are domestic. Liquid fuels, by contrast, represent 40% of our primary energy need. Uh, 30% of our primary energy is in transportation fuels. Two-thirds of that is imported. Very simply, there is no pathway to greater energy independence for our country that does not address the need for alternative liquid fuels. And as we see it, given, given the fundamentals, uh, uh, we really need to look at opening up uh, a range of uh, new feedstocks in order to produce those liquid fuels. And as others on the conference call pointed out, with Congress having more and more of an appetite to curb carbon emissions, shown by the spate of recently introduced legislation intended to help stop the growth of greenhouse gases, there seems to be no way to do that without advanced biofuels being part of the picture. Thus the need for the credit markets to be freed up and the development of those green fuels to be encouraged on a public and private basis. I'm John Davis reporting. You've been listening to the Domestic Fuel Cast, the official podcast of DomesticFuel.com. Check out the website daily for the latest good news about the alternative energy industry.